Howdy folks and welcome to another Nerdstalgic podcast with me, your host Luke, the Ginger Bookworm. Today's going to be a good one, today's going to be quite interesting one. I thought I would delve into the nostalgic side of myself and of the uh, of the podcast and focus on a topic that means a lot to me. You know, it's something that I'm very passionate about, something I have a lot of experience in and it's something that I've been doing on and off for oh god past three four years now um so without further ado the topic for today if you've read the title you probably already know what the topic is but if you haven't read the title you just jumped in thank you for jumping into the deep end um, for those of you that jumped in and read the title at the same time today's topic is backwards camp backwards compatibility and game preservation um it's a topic that like i said it means a lot to me now for most of you you probably won't know what that means or what that is which is completely fine if you're not a gamer that's understandable that you don't know so i'll give you a quick sort of heads up of what backwards compatibility and game preservation is so backwards compatibility is very is quite simple it's the idea and concept that if you have a console whether it be xbox or playstation um that you'd be able to get a game that say for example you've got the brand new xbox the xbox series x and you've got an xbox 360 uh, the idea and concept is that you can get a 360 game which is about three to four generations behind stick it into your brand new top of the range console and it would play as it uh, probably well i was gonna say as new but probably a bit better on the newer consoles but that's the idea of backwards compatibility that you could go to the shops buy an old game stick it into your new console and it would work as if that console was a 360 or was a playstation 3 that's the basic premise of backwards compatibility game preservation it's exact same thing um a little bit different uh the idea and concept behind that one is when you have art when you go to a museum and that you see all the different types of paintings and these paintings are ranged from the 20th century 19th 18th 17th century you know leonardo da vinci uh, picasso you know, stuff like that they're all works of art they're all worth a lot of money and the idea of a museum is to preserve them is to make sure they last longer than what they that they would do if they were just sort of thrown up anywhere in somebody's house you know um it's the idea of you know keeping that history keeping it alive so that people and generations to come can experience it even though that the uh, painter the designer is long since deceased and that's the idea of game preservation it's getting games that are like from the original xbox or the original playstation and being able to you know not let them die you know keep the memories alive and still being able to play the first halo on the new xbox being able to play i don't know if this actually does work or not but the idea of being able to get Killzone for the playstation i think playstation 2 i think it was and being able to play that on your playstation 5 i don't know if you can on that front i know you can play the original halo on uh, the new xbox but that's what's the idea and the, the concept behind uh, backwards compatibility and game preservation it's just making sure that these games last forever that you know different generations can come along and experience them like i did like when i was growing up with these games they were brand new they were visionary they were breaking the boundaries of what gaming could be and then you've got my little brother who's coming along now and he's playing all, all, all my old games and having my 
experiences, but brand new, fresh, as if these games had just come out and loving them and um, really sharing the the love that goes into making games because video games, creating video games is very hard. You know, take it from me doing four years of it. It's not easy. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of love that goes into creating video games. A lot of time. Because um, a lot of people kind of just think, oh, video games, oh, they're easy. Uh, there's not much. But, like, to be honest, uh, the industry has grown quite a lot over over the many, many, many decades. You know, I feel like it was around about the early to middle 2000s is when the gaming started to be taken seriously, that it was starting to be seen as something that was actually profitable and viable. They've always been profitable, but gaming was... It wasn't until like you know the the PlayStation, PlayStation Two, Xbox, and stuff like that. Especially Xbox when Xbox and Microsoft came into the game, they really sort of commercialized and made gaming um, a celebrity thing. You know, if you've watched the documentary on, um, uh, on I think it's a YouTube. I think if you go on to YouTube and type in uh, Xbox and go to Xbox's uh, YouTube account, uh, there is a documentary about. F- six or seven part documentary about the idea of how xbox started and how microsoft got into actually doing consoles and it takes you through the original xbox the 360 and the playstation and the and the xbox one not playstation uh there's no cross um it's a very interesting documentary very fascinating uh it's about an hour each it just shows you how they how they sort of commercialized it how like ga- they put gaming into the mainstream they put gaming into movies they put it into um, you know, had celebrity endorsements, made sure that it was constantly on the brain of everybody. Like gaming is to be taken seriously. Gaming is not something that's just done by nerds. Gaming can be for everybody. It can be for the, your granddad. It could be for your little brother. Be for your sister. Be for your mother. Your your, your dad. It could be for everybody. Not just really like nerds standing around in an arcade um, for hours on end playing Pac-Man. You know, so they really made it mainstream. And with that, you know came the video game boom and what is where we are now is how video games are a multi-billion dollar industry um making tons and tons of money every year mobile gaming like for example uh, call of duty warzone on the um mobile uh is like makes a billion a year you know uh candy crush by king i'm sure they make billions and billions and billions of money uh, currently the most money being made sadly i hate to admit it is in mobile gaming that's the majority of the money is sadly um but the point is i'm trying to make sorry about that I had to quickly pause and uh, carry on because my dogs came in and they jumped all over me um so where was i ah right that was it so the point is i'm trying to make is that gaming is on the rise you know and with being on the rise brings more talent Brick Springs brings in more creativity, more younger minds, more people to come in to say, you know what, this is what works, but we're going to try this. We're going to try new creative features. We're going to try new ways of telling a story. And with that, you know, came the, especially around the, <laughs> around the PlayStation 2 till I would say the Xbox 360 generations, between that time frame from beginning to end, you know, the creativity just was off the scale with the amount of video games that were being brought out. Like so many were coming out that 
even now when I go into like um, used video game stores, I'm just amazed how much variety and different types of games they were. Like, for example, um, Mad Dash, a very, very deep cut, very old game for the original Xbox. Mad Dash was a video game where you have a collection of weird characters, you know, monsters, humans. Uh, there was like a, I'm sure there was a, a rat or a squirrel that was like in a straight jacket that looked like he was hyped, like he was just insane. But, you know, really mad collection of characters. And it was just a racing game. You know, you ran from A to B, you know, the fastest possible for the all the other characters. And it, when I say racing, I don't mean like driving. Like it was actual running. You know, they ran, used their legs. Uh, again, it was very weird, very um, surreal sort of uh, game. But, you know, again, this was just a thing of like, well, we don't know what will stick, so we'll just throw everything at the wall. I have quite fond memories of Mad Dash. Would I like a remaster? Uh, a re <sighs> Maybe. Probably not a remake. It doesn't, I don't think it needs a remake. I don't think it would, you know, work that much in today's market. But a remaster would be nice, you know, upgrade, upgrade graphics because the character designs were really fascinating. The music was incredible. Um, and the world, the, the biomes that you ran in were just really, really great, you know, and, and inventive. And as a young kid, you know, watch seeing this was uh, amazing. Like I remember playing... Um, Jet Set Radio. I my sister had it on the Dreamcast. I remember playing it on the Dreamcast and loving it. And then we got an Xbox, and it came with the Xbox. And I remember playing Jet Set Radio, and obviously with the the Xbox being more powerful than the Dreamcast, you had a, a higher rate of graphics. It wasn't great, you know, it's, it's not as good as modern standards, but for the time it was, you know, cutting edge. And I remember playing this and going, God, this looks so much better. And just again, I never when I was younger, back when these games came out, like I never played them like they were meant to be played. I just played them as any young child would. I'd mess around. I, I wouldn't do the missions. I would just skate around or I would just shoot people just because I could, you know. Um, so with this boom and with this creativity and seeing what sticks, you know, every, there were so many different games out there that it was hard to keep up. And one thing that I found that with, uh, as the generations have gone on and how, um, creators have changed and how the business has changed that you tend to see less and less creativity you know you tend to see less and less games like many times if if you know me in person or if you've spoken to me ever about video games um, one thing I always say whenever I go into a video game store is is simply there's not much variety I prefer the 360 days. I prefer the PlayStation days. Because if you go into any, especially if you go into like pre-owned game stores and you look at like the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 and you look at the amount of games, well, there's, there's a good amount of games over that generation. But then if you would ever to move yourself over and look at the amount of games in the PlayStation section or in the Xbox section and you just look there, you will notice that there is a lot more games there. And then you, know, you could go through and there's more than likely there'll be games that you've never heard of, that you've never seen before ever, you know, and you've got to be like, oh, God, I don't remember this game. Don't remember this game ever coming out, you know, and that's something that I've had. I've had many, many times and which what got me into, as I will talk on in a minute, what got me into collecting older games, especially 360 games um, and what kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for kind of 
inspired me to do this topic today to talk about backwards compatibility and why it's so important to have games that are backwards compatible and why game preservation is so important. So without further ado, let's go on to the next segment. It's a bit of a story. I'm going to tell us tell a tale, tell a story. Um, so if you're still listening, if you're still interested, sit back, relax, get some hot chocolate and listen to the next segment. Uh, I'm going to take on a bit of a tale, a bit of a story. So today's tale, today's story, if you're still here, if you're still interested, thank you for sticking around. If you haven't, well, you're not here to hear it, so it doesn't really matter. But those of you that are still here, um, today's tale, today's story that I'm going to tell uh, revolves around the Xbox 360. Uh, many times I've explained from, if you've listened to the other episodes of the podcast, all the other video game consoles that I've owned or played on or used, um, there's many I haven't mentioned, like the PSP and the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, DS, DSXL, many handhelds, um, PSP Vita, which was incredibly underrated. But um, today I'm going to focus on the 360 because I spent majority of my gaming youth, shall I say, I'm still young, but my gaming youth, my my gaming years um, on the 360 uh, because I up until that point. Before I got a 360, I was still using um, the Xbox original, and my dad had a 360. Um, but again, he it was it was his, so like I only got to play on it a bit. I, like I played Call of Duty and Gears of War on it, uh, but I didn't really have my own until I think it was my I think it was the Xbox came out 2005, 2006. I think I got one 2007. Yeah, yeah, because. I, the reason I remember that is because I'm sure the Simpsons movie came out in 2007 and I got a, I want, well, I wanted the Simpsons Xbox, if I'm being honest. Um, but no, I, remember I got a standard white Xbox with the Simpsons game uh, for the 360, which again is another underrated game, which I, I don't know if I'd better talk about it for an hour, but generally that's another game that I'd love to get into about how, how underrated it is. It generally, it's such a joy to play. And you wouldn't think it from a, a movie tie-in game, but generally, as The Simpsons, it's probably one of the best Simpsons games I've played. Ne- well, not the best. Simpsons Hit and Run is the best, and then probably The Simpsons video game is underneath that. Anyway, as I was saying, I've spent the majority of my time playing the 360. I delved so many hours into it. I, you know, I played the Gears of War. I played um, Halo. Oh God, I've there's so many different games. I'm just trying to look around my room, trying to look for inspiration. Uh, I I experienced Mass Effect for the first time on that series. Uh, I literally cried my eyes out. You know, uh, I followed the 360 basically from its conception with the Red Ring of Death to its inevitable end, put in put to the grave for the Xbox One came out. I didn't get an Xbox One until a bit later on because. Oh, well, I won't get into it, but the Xbox One had a lot of issues at launch, um, so I, I didn't upgrade straight away. But that being said, I loved my time with the Xbox 360. You know, I enjoyed the games on it. I enjoyed the, uh, I don't know, it was just, it just felt next gen. You know, I my my dad had a PlayStation 3. We, I used to play the P- PlayStation 3. I just I didn't like the layout. I didn't like how it looked. I didn't like the feel of it. 
I didn't like the controllers. I preferred the the feel of the controller in the, it might, the Xbox 360 controller in my hands. I just liked the UI was just better and easier. And the games I found for me personally were just more fun and more interesting. So like I said, I just delved so much time into it. But I was growing up and with growing up, you know, in well, with well, me personally growing up, didn't really have a lot in the way of pocket money. I think I've mentioned this before. Didn't really have much in the way of pocket money. You know, it, it was it was quite rare. So it was like probably once or once a month or maybe once every other month that we would go down to Blockbuster or Choices or Game Station or Game. I'm, n- I'm naming a lot of old um, places that are no longer around in the UK or nowhere around in the world. I don't think there's anywhere where Blockbusters are around anymore. Um, but we used to go down to these places to get video games maybe once or maybe one, once every other month and to, to pick a game out. The, the, the issue with that was that there's so many games to choose from that I only had a pick of one out of all these different games. So as you, as you can probably imagine, being a young kid, I chose the most popular ones. So like GTA, Mass Effect, Far Cry 3, um, Halo. Uh, I'm trying to th- uh, the uh, trying to remember what it was called now. Singularity. That wasn't quite popular. That was underrated, if I'm being completely honest. Um, you know, Halo ODST. There's so many different games. Like I'm, I'm coming. I'm always coming back to the same games because generally there's so many 360 games out there, and I played so many over the years that I'm just trying to remember them all. And it's, it's a complete nightmare. Um, so, so with so much to choose from, uh, you know, from Bioshock to Dark Souls to you know Star Wars: The Force Unleashed, so many different games to choose from. Generally, it was like the idea of being told pick one was a nightmare to, to choose. So what that meant was that I missed out on a lot of classics. I missed out on a lot of games growing up. You know, uh, I had friends who had pocket money who were able to go to the sort of video games shops and get multiple games at once. Me, it was like, it was, it was, it happened, but again, it did always happen. So, you know, I learned to cherish the games I had. I learned to, uh, go in and play them as much as possible, complete them as much as possible, basically get as many achievements on them as possible, which I think where my love and my addiction or obsession, better word to use, um, for um, achievement hunting came from, because I'm a big achievement hunter now. Like I love to collect achievements. It's, it's again, up there with one of my biggest gaming hobbies of just getting a new game and be like, okay, I'll play for the campaign and I'll play for the different difficulties and I'll try to do all the challenges and just see how many achievements or how much gamer score I can uh, accumulate uh, before I die, basically. Um, so coming back to the story, growing up, only playing the most popular games, missing out on loads of the classics meant that I felt like, especially now, even though it helped me kind of learn to become a achievement hunter, I just feel like missing out on these manifests kind of was a bit of a bummer, a bit of a, a sad moment, which again, it wasn't one of those things at the time that incredibly bothered me because I was just appreciative to have been able to play something. Um, but as an adult, now I have adult money, that uh, the idea of being able to go out and experience these new games, because they are technically brand new to me, games that I missed out on, is a real treat. Um, 
for example, like Dead Space. I always wanted to play Dead Space when I was younger. I remember playing the demo of the first Dead Space. Scared me shitless. And I was like, I don't want to play that. Um, which is a shame because I've, say, well, say recently, about two, three years ago, I went out and bought all three Dead Space games. Luckily, they were backwards compatible on the Xbox One. And I was able to play all three Dead Space games. And I fell in love with them. I loved that series so much so that I'm currently looking into um, getting the books and reading the, the background lore of the world. As well as, uh, I know that there's a Dead Space. They're making a remake of the first Dead Space. As well as there's another company, I think, of X Visceral Game Studios. The, state, the studio that made Dead Space. Um, ex-employees of that studio have come together to start their own Dead Space type game um, so I'm looking forward to those type of games coming back, especially in next gen being more scary, being more bloody brutal, but again that was uh, an example of a game that I missed out on growing up that I've been able to go back to now and experience and enjoy and just find love uh, in and have a, a brand new uh, passion for you know, so that is my story and the reason why i'm telling you this story is to kind of help um explain the next segment the part that comes next the the idea behind game pass and what xbox are doing to help preserve games and the reason why i'm so excited and the reason why uh this topic is um it means so much to me and why i wanted to talk about it so that's my story you know the quick points before we move on is that growing up Spent most of the time on the Xbox 360. Didn't get a chance to get by any of the old in the random games because I wasn't really sure if how long they were going to be or if they're going to be good or not. So I always took the um, safe route and got the bigger popular games like Call of Duty and so on and so forth. Which meant that I missed out on a lot of classics, which means that now as an adult, I have got adult money and I'm able to go out and buy these games that I missed out on. Now, moving on to the next segment about what Xbox are doing with Game Pass. Now, if you're a gaming fan or not, there's a high potentiality that somewhere or another you've heard of Game Pass. You've heard of what Game Pass is or how it works. For those that haven't, uh, Game Pass is a system that was set up by Xbox. Uh, the basic idea, the basic premise of it, it's a subscription service that you pay for. Um, and what that does, that allows you access to uh, a trove of about 100 plus games on your Xbox um, for free. Obviously, not for free, you got to pay a subscription. But the idea behind it is that you get all these games for free. You get day in, day one games, like, for example, um, Halo Infinite. That was released day one that the, that the game came out. Instead of going out and paying £60 for the game, you can just get the game for free. You can download it without even having to pay anything for it. So if you think about it, you're paying £10 a month, but you're getting games that are worth uh, 60 to £70 brand new, for technically for free, and you can play them and you can download them whenever you want. If you think about it, it's a done deal. It's a good deal. It's a great deal. It's probably one of the best deals in gaming going. Now, I'm not here to hype that up. I'm not here to, to basically brown nose um xbox even though i'm a, i am an xbox fan that's not what this episode is about what's podcast is it's not me here doing that the reason i'm bringing up game pass is that what it means not just for gaming but backwards compatibility and game preservation 
one thing I love about Game Pass is that as well as putting in the brand new games, the games that you know that you know of, like Alien Isolation, uh, brand new games like Among Us, um, The Ascent, uh, Back for Blood. I'm currently going down the list of the games on here, like the brand new Battlefield, well, not the brand new Battlefield, but like Battlefield Five, Battletoads, stuff like that. Uh, as well as adding in the newer sort of games they also had in the older stuff like for example i'm currently looking at blinks the time sweeper from the original xbox again underrated classic um a, a game that my sister had that i played which i never really played properly i messed around in it but that's at the point the point is i can now play it on my on my xbox uh black which was a, a game where about uh it was a, one of the most cutting edge fps shooters of the day um to be able to play that again Brutal Legend, again, another fantastic game with uh, Jack Black. Uh, I have so many good memories of playing Brutal Legend, growing up playing that, that um, that could be in its own video on its own. All the Crisis from Crisis 1 to Crisis 3. I still haven't played Crisis 1. I played a little bit of Crisis 3. I really need to get around to playing Crisis 2, if I'm being completely honest. Um, the point is, I could go down this list for for ages and ages and ages, and just pinpoint of like Dante's Inferno, another Xbox game, you know, all the Dead Space games, being able to play the original Dooms, being able to play uh, Dragon Age One and Two, as well as the brand new Dragon Age Inquisition, being able to play Morrowind, being able to play Oblivion, being able to play Fable One, Fable Two, Fable Three, planning to play Fallout, Fallout New Vegas, you know, the the list could go on about the amount of Xbox 360 games that are on here that majority of people either haven't heard of or haven't played. And me, I feel why it's so important to have this and why it's so great that what Xbox is doing is because of Phil Spencer, the, the head of gaming at Xbox. Phil Spencer basically came out and said, I think quite recently, actually, around about last year, he said that he wants to make sure games are preserved for as long as possible that make sure that games and backwards compatibility last the test of time so when the like 20 years time when the xbox 720 xp90 you know comes out whatever it's called you know i could still get a game from the 360 days i could get an xbox one game that's 20 years old and i could stick it into the brand new xbox or whatever it is in the future and it would work seamlessly as if like no time had gone by at all like as if the game was created yesterday you know um and this is great this is great for not just the industry but for uh, gaming in general because like i said there's so many people out there who haven't experienced these games or, or children uh, like myself when i was younger who couldn't experience these games either through money or not being able to go to uh have people who would you better borrow them off you know or they'd have people that you could um experience them with you now you're an, an adult you can go back and you can experience them like I've, I've spoke to many people who've never played fable and they always say like go back if you've got xbox if you've got game pass get it down and play through the fable one two and three all fantastic games uh, i have so many fond memories playing fable one and fable two um it's it just it makes me really not emotional but really overjoyed to know that people can go back and play these games one of the things that i love about xbox as well which again it, i'm going to bring out my fanboy side of it but a couple of years ago xbox announced their backwards compatibility um idea and concept uh, the basic premise of it as i explained at the beginning 
was that bringing back as many classics to the Xbox as possible. Uh, I think last ooh, last November, I think it was, that they announced the final batch of backwards compatible games. There's about 70 of them in total from the range of like the Fear to Mad Max, to uh, not Mad Max, Max Payne, all the Max Payne games, um, SpongeBob, Last Airbender. Oh God, they, there were so many. The, the point is they, they released about 70, 76 games. The sad part about it was that once they released these games, they basically said that we can't release any more backwards compatible games. We have reached the limit that we can produce these games for the new Xbox and that we can make them run and that, you know, we can sort of put onto the new Xbox because of licensing agreements or that these game, these older games have codes been lost. Because going back a bit, what you kind of have to try to remember is that back in the beginnings of gaming, back when gaming started to have its boom around, you know, the original Xbox, PlayStation 2 sort of days, um, was that gaming wasn't as big as it is today, as I, as I explained. And that, you know, gaming wasn't a thing of like, oh, we need to, we need to look after this game. Like this game we've just made, we need to make sure we look after it. What you'll find is that um, you'll say, for example, a game would be made and then another game and another game will probably be made. And then the hard drive or whatever um, storage spaces they were using, server space was full. So what they'd end up doing is like, well, we've got no room left for this new game that we want to create. So we're just going to have to de delete an older game. So what you'll find is the oldest game that is no longer supported um, would probably end up getting deleted, which means all the assets, all the code, the engine more than likely is gone. So what that means for nowadays, for the future, for the preservation, was that if you wanted to go back and be like, oh, I want, for example, Jet Set Radio, I want to take that game and I want to make sure it runs at a good 30 to 60 frames per second on, say, the brand new Xbox. Um, and then Sega comes, well, we can't do that because the studio that has it either does no longer has the rights to the music or no longer has the rights to the IP. Um, or, you know, back in the day, you know, we didn't have enough space in the server room, so we just deleted the game and basically all its assets off the off our servers, and we didn't store any backups. So that game is now lost. So the only way to experience it is on the older consoles. And that does happen. It, ha it, happen it happens quite frequently. It happens quite a lot. And I'm sure it probably happens, probably not as much today, uh, because we have a lot more space, and we have the cloud, and we have other places to store um, data. But back in the day, you know, it happened quite frequently. Like if a game got to a point where it wasn't popular or it was it was old and it was no longer uh, being used, um, then they would probably just like scavenge whatever assets they could from it and then the rest would just be deleted or, or copied over. It happened a lot. It was a very frequent thing that happened. Um, what this means is though, again, like I said, if you wanted to come back and remaster it, you wanted to you know, do something with it so it worked on the newer consoles, it'd be lost you know you can't do it as well you also have the issue with rights because obviously jet set radio had a lot of um, music in it and if they no longer have the rights to use that music then they can't publish the game without it you know uh, that was the uh, that's been the issue for majority of games like for example i really really liked the yeah i, I really like the um the transformers games um but the issue is that high moon studios that made those games 
um, no longer has the license rights to make Transformers games, meaning that if they wanted to make those games work on newer consoles, they couldn't do it because they no longer have the licensing for it. And this is the issue. You know, it's the idea of that licenses don't last very long and that a lot of old companies just deleted the games because the games weren't successful. So meaning that, you know, you can still play these games if you've got the disc of them, but you can't keep playing them on newer hardware, on newer software, you know, which is a shame, which, which is the, the downside of of gaming. And it's sad because you have to leave all those memories behind. You have to leave all those good times behind and, and move on, really. And the idea of knowing that you could still play on your new console, but what's stopping it is because, you know, of licensing agreements or that the game's been deleted, that it no longer exists, exists digitally anywhere, um, is incredibly sad, you know, is, is incredibly disheartening as, as a gamer. Um, it, it's a shame that, you know, you can't go back. And this is where Phil Spencer comes in. Phil Spencer basically says that this true, this also is a travesty. That is is a very sad thing about gaming. Again, he's a hardcore gamer. He, like me and like all the other gamers, you know, wants to play these games, but knows that they can't unless they go back a generation or two to play them. Which is all fair enough. You can do it. I'm sure you can go back and get a 360 original Xbox for quite cheap. But it's not the it's not the point. It's it's not the principle. The principle is that you know. If you have the ability to, you should be able to, you know. Um, so what Phil Spencer basically said, he goes, if I remember correctly, I might be paraphrasing. He basically said that he wants to make sure that any game that's made now for the Xbox uh, Series X and for the Xbox One, any game that's made right now will be future-proofed, that they will work, they will work on every console moving forwards so if i got like for example um forza horizon uh five if i got forza horizon five and then 20 years down the line i stick it in the brand new xbox it will work like i say practically brand new that it's it's preserved that the code will be saved somewhere that it'll be stored in the cloud that the game software will have something in it where it will be um have the ability to work elsewhere they have the ability to function you know as well as it did on the newer consoles so that's what xbox is doing they're trying their best to make sure that games that are made now are preserved and are looked after because at the end of the day gaming is art you know there's no other way you can put it gaming is art and the older a game is the more cherished a game is the more um you know respected it is for what it was for what it did for what it tried to do you know we all look at pong now, like Pong is a very basic game, but we all look at it quite fondly of like, well, that's where it started. That was the beginning. You know, it's art. We need to look after Pong. Pac-Man, it's old, but it's still quite loved today. Mario, old, still quite loved today. Same with Sonic. You know, it's because ga us as gamers, we've wanted to keep that series alive. We wanted to keep those characters alive. We want to keep our memories alive. And it's the same with the actual games themselves. We want to make sure that we can be able to play them, that our kids can play them, their kids can play them. You know, not needing to having to like, keep an old dusty Xbox or Xbox 360, you know, hidden away in the loft. And like, okay, the grandkids are coming around. I'm going to bring down the old antique Xbox 360 down, and the grandkids can play that. I'm like, well, no, in all fairness, you can do that, and you know, you could probably make some really nice memories of doing that. But just having the idea that you can have your brand new console, but just keep the disc and just be like, oh, let's put the disc in. Oh, I can buy this old game for like, you know, 50p. 
from the shop that I remember paying like you know 35 quid for when it first came out and just being able to be like yeah go ahead you know experience it play it enjoy it you know experience mass effect experience gears of war experience well probably not dark souls the kids will probably cry if they pay dark souls but the point is just go go forth and prosper go forth and experience you know uh, i don't know what playstation is doing on on the, on the terms of this um I haven't really heard much in the idea of PlayStation doing anything about backwards compatibility. The last thing I heard about about PlayStation was that PlayStation were looking towards the future. They were looking ahead, so that you know they weren't looking in backwards compatibility. More to the fact of, you know, well, why should we look back when we have so much that we want to do in the future? Which again, I understand, I get it, but I just feel like that's a very anti-gaming industry, very anti-art. Um, really very much like you know well you know why should we look at the mona lisa it's just a painting when we've got brand new artists nowadays making bigger and better things i'm like well yeah fair enough but it's the mona lisa you know what i mean that's like saying oh halo was great but we've just bought a halo infinite so why should we care about halo 2 well because halo 2 was amazing and that everybody should be able to experience halo 2 you know uh so again another reason why i love xbox because they're at the Currently, Xbox, and I think I've said this before in a prior episode, Xbox is pro-consumer. Xbox is pro-gamer. They're here for the gamer. They're here to basically say, here's the games, here's the games that you brand new, and here's the games that you love. You know, play them, experience them on the Xbox. If you have the disc, just stick it in. If you want to buy it digitally, you can buy it digitally. But if you have the disc, stick it in and enjoy. That's it. You know, done. You know, and the idea of that, really makes me smile the idea that i could get um max pain free stick it into the console and just play it like if i was on the 360 you know especially when you stick the 360 games into the xbox you, it comes up with the original 360 loading screen um and the the the, the sounds of it and just the it's weird like, again the nostalgia of just playing on the 360 and this and just the enjoyment i got from playing and on the 360 i really i really the, the 360 holds a special place in my heart you know of all the consoles that i've had i think the 360 was it was it, it was the changing point for me it was where i basically decided where me as a gamer i want to go where i wanted to go moving forward i'm not saying that i it, even though it doesn't seem like it doesn't sound like it i'm not an xbox fanboy i do love xbox greatly um but I'm not. A, I don't hate PlayStation. I'm not against PlayStation. I've got a PlayStation Shield. Um, it's just more just the fact of um, I've I've had Xbox. I've had PlayStation. I just prefer Xbox. It's simple as that. You know, I support both. I support games on both. You know, I support the exclusives on both. You know, I I'm quite saddened that I don't have a PlayStation. That I can't play uh, Spider-Man, for example. But at the same stage, you know, I'm like fair enough. You know, I understand. You know exclusivity promotes creativity you know uh, you need those exclusives to then another for the other opposing side to go away you know you know you've got um for example you've got spider-man we have gears of war um which then again i played all the gears of wars i loved all gears of wars but i still want to play spider-man because it's spider-man but the, the point is still the same of like it promotes like okay you've got this we've got that you know, it promotes creativity. Oh, you've done this brand new feature. Well, we've got this game with the same feature and more. You know, it just promotes 
the sort of eventiveness, which is what I was saying back in the day, where you look at 360 games and you look how many 360 games, look at many PlayStation games they were. They were tons. They were so much, so imaginative. And then you get to, you know, the, the Xbox One and you get to the PlayStation 4 areas and you realize that, you know, all that's there is the mainstream, the most popular. You know, you've got your Gears of Wars, you've got your Tomb Raiders, you've got your Halos, you know, you've got your um, racing games, you've got your Forza, stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, this is good, but, you know, where's the imaginativeness? And the problem is with that is the fact of going on to the next thing I'm going to say, it's a great segue, is that all those games, all those imaginative games, got lost well not lost they they they've always been known they've always been found but what i'm trying to try to explain is that these games were instead of being put on a disc they were just thrown di digitally so all the games that used to be just every game was like you've got to do a disc you've got to do a disc the problem is we're doing a disc it's very expensive to um mass produce tons and tons of disc copies as well as having to make the manuals and stuff like that where it's just easier nowadays to make your game and then to publish it digitally so all those imaginative games all those creative games all those games that you know that i was just oh my god i've never heard of this one before and then just finding like a hidden gem are all hidden on the xbox store and in the idea of xbox part of it which is fine and all but me as a fan i want i love you know, I'm an old soul. I love having a disc version of it. I like just being able to pull the disc out and being like, oh, I remember this game and having like bits of nostalgia instead of going through my list on Xbox and going through all the digital games I have and then being like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. You know, being, just being able to, it's like having a book. You know, it's all good having a Kindle, but just have this, there's something different about holding a book in your hand and being able to smell it and being able to feel it, you know, in your hand. That's, you know, it's just a different experience, a different um, moment. It feels so much better, but that's the that's the idea of what I'm trying to say about Xbox and Game Pass is that they're all about preservation. That you know, if you, either through Game Pass or just for free, you know, if you have the game and you can just stick it into your console and then it would work, you know, and that's what I love about you know this whole idea of game preservation. And this will leads me on to my next topic is what led me on to collecting old 360 games games that i missed out growing up so without further ado let's move on to that so moving on as i've mentioned prior in this uh episode so far that you know we, we talked about the um the topic about game backwards compatibility and game preservation you know my own history um with xbox 360 and playing games Xbox and Game Pass, what they're doing to help you know preserve video games and make sure that you everybody and anybody can experience them, and that you know new games that are being made today will be preserved so that they will last down the test of time, which is all great and fantastic. Which then leads me on to my final point, to my final segment, where I talk about you know all of this accumulating as what leads me to wanting to collect video games, what's led me wanting to um, experience the games I missed on the 360 uh, and being able to play them on my Xbox One. Not all of them. Some of the games I'm going to talk about are currently not backwards compatible and probably never will be, sadly, because of licensing uh, agreements. Um, but, but still, saying the memories are there. 
So I'm going to try my best to uh, hopefully convey more of the memories and the nostalgia as much as possible. Um, so without further ado, as I said, I'm a collector. And when they announced backwards compatibility, I was really excited because majority of the games that they had announced originally I had had and played, um, but I hadn't played them for so long that I went back and you know played them. You know the idea like Cameo, for example. I remember having Cameo when that first came out for the original Xbox and being blown away by the graphics on it, and then being able to play it now but on the three six on the Xbox One, and it looks better. Like it's still. Don't wrong, it's still a 360 game. You know, it's still a game that has a few rough edges and it was made for HD, not for 4K. Um, but it still works fantastically, you know. Uh, I think it's a lot more sharper, a lot more crisper, a lot more clearer. Um, it was just nicer to be able to play it again, having to relive those memories. But there were a lot of games on that list that I'd never played before, I'd never heard before. Um, and I was like, well, I'm an adult now. I have human money, uh, human money, everybody has human money, I have adult money, uh, and I can now, you know, go go forth and prosper, go forth and experience these games, and I did, I went through, I went for my re renaissance, shall I say, uh, I rediscovered a lot of um, games, I missed, for example, like I mentioned, Dead Space, Dead Space was incredible, I missed that the first time round, played all the Dead Space games, um, loved them. I played um, Deadpool, which I missed the Deadpool games when they came out, replaying that. for it was, again, really, really charming and fantastically funny. I have, well, I don't know why they haven't decided to make a sequel. That game deserves a sequel. And I hope that now that Xbox has brought, well, has, well hasn't brought them yet, are currently in the um, midst of, acquiring Activision and all the studios under Activision, that High Moon Studios will be able to get the rights back to Deadpool, and I would just love a next-gen Deadpool game. Uh, Army of Two, uh, I, I'll be honest, I played it on my own, because none of my friends who had it are willing to play. Well, I don't talk to a lot of my friends who had it back in the day, so I played it on my own. It's not really a game you want to play on your own. It is a game you want to play with friends, because the AI is terrible. Um, but just going back and experience it, you know, was fun. I, you know, hidden gems, for example, like Prey, going back and playing the original Prey. I was so looking forward to Prey 2. I really hoped and wished Prey 2 happened. I remember watching that when Prey 2 was being announced and we saw gameplay and we saw the E3 footage. Uh, I was so hyped. And then to find out the game was cancelled, really upsetting. And then um, Bethesda came out, they did a reboot of Prey, which I played, which it was all right, but... I didn't like it as much as I liked the first Prey. But again, first Prey, Hidden Gem, played that, enjoyed it. Uh, Brand New Domain, that was another one. That was a game by Sega. It was that to us, Brand New, Brand New Domain. I played it quite recently. I replayed it because I knew I was going to do this topic. So I went back and replayed it quite recently. That game still looks good today. Like playing it on my Xbox, it still looks good today. It runs smooth. Uh, it actually probably probably runs smoother than it did. Um, the idea of Bonnie Domain, because again, you, you might not have heard about it, is that you are a soldier being sent in to Japan because Japan's locked itself off from the rest of the world. Um, it's set in the far, far future, like 
far, 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 far. I think like 2080. Um, and Japan are leading the world in robotics, that they have the most advanced robot robotic systems. Um, but they're making what's called hollow children. And a hollow child is basically a per an android, a person that is a robot, but they don't know that they're a robot, that they've evolved and advanced enough where they don't know that they are robots. And then when they find out, they kind of freak out. Kind of like um, Blade Runner, uh, best way to explain it. But when you fight these robots, one thing I love, and again, I don't know how they got how they managed to do this on 360 hardware, um, but you when you shoot the robots, armor falls off. You shoot them in the leg, their armor falls off on the leg, and then you you take a leg off, and they'll they'll hop towards you. They'll keep shooting at you, but they'll just hop towards you. You take both legs out, and they will crawl towards you. Kind of like Dead Space, where if you take the legs off, they're still going to keep coming. You have to take the legs off and then take the head off. And it's the same with this game. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm shooting the armor off. I'm spending loads of ammo taking the armor off on their legs so they crawl towards me. Then I'm either having to run up to them and stand on their head to crush their skulls so that they stop moving. Or I'm having to spend more ammo to shoot them in the head to make sure that they will stop crawling towards me. It's real Terminator stuff. Fantastic. Again, it's a game that I didn't experience for the 360 and going back now and playing Binary Domain as an adult, somebody who can appreciate it and enjoy it for what it is and just being like, I can't believe I missed out on this game growing up. I can't believe that you know, this was a game that I could have experienced, but I just didn't want to take that chance because I was just too worried, you know, that I had wasted my, my money or my, well, my dad's money, if I'm being honest. Um, because that was always in the back of my mind, the idea of that I want to get a game, I want to get these different games, I want to get these different experimental sort of games. But I don't want to get it and it'd be crap. And I don't want to waste my, my dad's money by, you know, by doing it. So I always tried, again, I always went for the safe option. And sometimes even with the safe option, you'd still get burnt. But at least then, you know, I went with the safer option. So it's not so bad. You know, they're not all winners at the end of the day. Um, but one thing, like going back to it, one thing that I enjoy is that going back and having to replay these games, that you know, like I said, you can just get that nostalgia back. You can get those feelings of like what games used to be, how games used to look, how games used to run. You know, for example, uh, I I bought Beyond Good and Evil um, HD remaster that they did for the 360. Didn't play it for the original Xbox. I've only played a bit of it for the 360. And again, that's a, that's a world that even though I haven't completed it yet, I'm enjoying and that I want to see more. And that Ubisoft have, have hinted many times on and off every, almost every other, every other year that they're working on it, that it's coming. I remember like a couple, I think it was like 2013, 2014, the E3, that they announced it. And then they were saying, oh, we made a remake. And they showed like, you know, not gameplay, but they showed like... Um, like a, an animated sort of um, trailer that it came out and it like that game still hasn't come out yet and there's been no hints of it ever to come out you know so I missed out on a lot growing up um, but able to go back now and experience them is a fantastic is, is fantastic one thing I want to do now is that I've got a few games in front of me that I've either recently bought or been playing and that I want to just go through um, then with you, if I had a video, I'd love to do a full-on like you know box and complete um, section with you, like showing you the the games and the cases and showing you the manuals because I I miss having a manual. I miss holding a manual in my hand. And even though I didn't entirely used to use them, 
I used to just like to jump into games and experience them myself. It's just nice how sometimes you'd get these um, manuals that would have like bits of lore in them, bits of story in them, you know, uh, or it'd give you an idea of what's going on. Uh, I'm looking at, for example, I've got a game at the moment in my hands, and they're telling it's it's only a short one. They used to be very much thicker than this one, but like it would give you a bit of the controls. Uh, then it would give you the story, different types of pickups, you know, your heads-up display, what's on there, what they mean, um, the different things you can buy, the multiplayers, the customer characterization, the classes, you know, stuff like that. And I just, I miss just having a manual. Most games nowadays, like, you want to check the manual out? You've got to go to this website, you can check the manual out. Which I feel is incredibly lacking. Of like, well, what's the point? What's my point? What's just don't do the website i would stick it in the box or just you know don't bother um sorry my eyes are starting to sting don't know why oh god stingy eyes Ooh, i'm tired as well it's a lot to talk about it ties you out so anyway moving on to the games um so the game i just had in my hands the game i was looking at for the manual is transformers fall of cybertron which is the second game in the transformers series I played the first one on the Xbox, which was War for Cybertron. I loved it. Fell in. I I I love Transformers, and I love Transformers games. Grow up on the cartoons, and being able to play as Optimus Prime, as Megatron, as Starscream, as Jetfire, as a Jazz, Grimlock. Being able to play as these characters is was a dream come true. True, but yeah, get my words out. A dream come true growing up, and then being able to. Uh, have control and be part of uh, their world on their war for Cybertron. All the things that you know, I never really got to see while playing, uh, while watching the TV show. When actually be a part of it is a, an amazing experience. I haven't completed it yet. I bought it quite recently. Um, it's a quite expensive game because they never made. There were there were plans to make a third Transformers game by High Moon Studios, by Activision. But they never got around to doing it. I think Activision, in the end, was just like, no, uh, we're going to put you on doing um, Call of Duty. And that's basically what High Moon Studios have, have done. I think it was either this game, Transformers, or it was Deadpool. One of them. I think it was Deadpool. I think Deadpool was the last game that High Moon Studios made that wasn't a Call of Duty game. Which I mentioned Deadpool earlier. Deadpool was a fantastic game. That I recently went back and experienced that I missed out on. Um, so I'm, having, I'm kind of going through High Moon Studios games at the moment. Just remembering how good they used to be. And they probably still are good. And hopefully they can get the license back. Because I want another next gen Transformers game. Because I feel like it really. We really really need a Transformers game. I think X, not as Xbox in general. I think the gaming space just needs a new Transformers game. A decent Transformers game. And these games were decent games. The next one is Max Payne 3, uh, made by Rockstar. Uh, another one that I missed out on growing up, but I remember how, seeing it and seeing how amazing the bullet effects are. I've been able to jump around and, you know, do loads of weird sort of like gunjitsu um, as you play as Max Payne. This is one another one that I um, struggled to find, but I managed to find it. Because like, Transformers, like I said, Transformers is quite rare. And that was a really expensive game, and I managed to get it for like eleven pounds. It was the cheapest I could find it, um, which I didn't mind paying it. But at the same stage, it was like it was either pay the cheapest price you could find, or you know pay out the nose 
for for it so i was like no i'm gonna pay cheaper um i think max Payne was 12 pounds 50 at cex again that was the cheapest i could find it uh playing for an experience that this game comes with two discs and has a huge manual trying to pull the manual out now hold on a second it has a huge manual and it's all color it's all different like bits of cost like actual shots of um in-game play what it would look while you're playing in the game the concept art as well as going through the different features multiplayer and so that's what i used to enjoy that's one of the things i used to do when i used to put my game in the game would be loading up i would pull out the manual and i would just flick through the manual of like looking at the pictures looking at like the bits of lore the bits of the story filling in the gaps of what what's been going on between max pain 2 Max Payne 3, which I've actually, I'll be honest, I've never played Max Payne 1 or 2. I know. I jumped straight to number 3. Um, but again, Max Payne 1 or 2 are now backwards compatible on the Xbox One. So I could, if I wanted to, I could go back and play Max Payne 1 and 2. You know, so I have that option. And again, it's it's all about having the, the option of like, if you wanted to jump in and just play Max Payne 3 or Mass Effect 3, you could. But you can also go back and play Mass Effect 1 and 2 or Max Payne 1 and 2. It's having the freedom of not just being like, oh, well, the only one that's backwards compatible is the third one. I can't play one and two, you know. You now have the freedom to be like, well, you know what, I can I can start from the beginning and work my way up. Like, for example, Crisis. Crisis 1 has been added to backwards compatible. I never played Crisis 1. I started on Crisis 2. So now having the option to go back and play Crisis 1 and play all the series all the way through is a really nice thought. It's a really nice thing, which I, one of the things I'd like to do... Um, soon hopefully if i can get through all, all of these games because i've current i've played crisis 2 uh, i haven't played well i played a little bit at the beginning of crisis 3 um but just being able to play them all seamlessly will be a really really nice thing to do which i hope to do in the future but coming back to max Payne, um it's really funny there's a thing in the back um going coming soon uh grand theft auto 5 and just remembered the ideas of grand theft auto 5 it says here how you can um start a crew start a gang in max pay in max pain free and then once max uh, try and get my words out once gta 5 comes out you can then transfer your crew over to a gta 5 which i think yeah, that's kind of incredible if i had played max pain free i probably would have done that um which i did kind of do it in a way i i me and my friends had a little bit of a crew on um GTA 5 when we used to play it back in the day we've all kind of grown up now and we don't really play GTA anymore but um, that's really cool how the idea like you can play one game and being like well if you want you know just transfer everything over and you can just keep playing in GTA yeah. but yeah this shows how old this game is this game hold on a second usually this game was 2012 there's a lot of great games come out in 2012 but again it's those little details those little things in the the backs of the um manuals that you just don't get nowadays sadly uh final game that i've got with me that i want to talk about which i actually bought this one quite recently i bought this one over the um over the weekend on the sunday um i watched what did i watch what was it it was the new triple x movie the return of xander cage xander cage i think it was called it was all right film it wasn't great but like you know it, it, it was fine um, but as I was watching, I, was, I remember. Oh, I I remember um, Riddick, and I remember how good Riddick was. Then I remember that there was a video game that came out for um, Riddick, um, 
back in the day on the 360. Never played it. Always heard good things about it. That it was one of the best stealth um, video games on the 360 ever. Uh, probably, probably. Well, I, I wouldn't say if it was better than uh, Assassin's Creed, but for 2009, this was classed as the best stealth game on the 360, and probably one of the best action games for quite a while. Because, well, that's what it says on the back anyway. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but it's the Chronicles of Riddick: Assault on Dark Athena. One of the reasons that really um, hooked me about this game and why I wanted to get it because you're not just getting one, you're getting two games in one. You're also getting Escape from Butcher Bay, um, which was the 2004 game that came out for the original Xbox, which again, it was another game I never played. And so you get the new Dark Athena game as well as the old game. So now as an achievement hunter, that just rings bells of like double achievements for two different games. But also the idea that I get to experience two old games for the price of one. This game, this was £3.50 um, to get. Uh, again, it was the cheapest I could find it anywhere. Anywhere else I looked was just expensive. Um, but again, this is a game by Universal. Uh, and High Moon Studios made Transformers. These two games, I, I would say the reason why they can't be backwards compatible is because licenses, having to pay Vin Diesel for his likeness and for his voice, having to pay for the rights to Riddick on a new, on a new system, uh, having to play Universal, and Universal having to pay them and you know it's a lot of you know wishy-washy you know hasbro having activision having to pay hasbro for the license just to for one game and not actually making a brand new game but just re-releasing an old game there's a lot of money involved and a lot of, and i don't blame a lot of companies for going i ain't paying that i'm not paying those prices to reinstate those licenses just so we don't make a new game and make more money just so we can you know Re relaunch an older game. Some companies will, some companies won't. It depends on how much the license is, how much basically hassle goes into it. I can imagine with the Chronicles of Riddick game that uh, having to pay Vin Diesel for his likeness and for his voice and for his IP, probably a lot of money. So it's probably like it's not worth back like putting it on backwards compatible. Luckily, uh, I have a 360, so I can just go back and play on the 360. Um, but this is kind of the idea. This is this is the like I said, the downside about it is the fact of, you know, they have these great games that I never got to experience, which I can experience now on the 360. I just can't experience them on the newer consoles because they just won't work, which is the sad part about it, which is kind of what I wanted to, what I was trying to get at at the point of this um, t uh, podcast, this episode, was that, you know, we need to start looking into preserving video games and why it's important that games be preserved and you know the idea of it's all well and good collecting older games and playing them on the older consoles but eventually those older consoles will eventually pack up will eventually not work you know luckily my my old xbox the, my, my original xbox the xbox original the first the first one um, still works because we've had it in good condition. But there will come a day where eventually something will happen and something will break or the power pack will not work and then I won't be able to get you know replacement parts or you know having to go out and buy a brand new Xbox. And eventually the world will run out of old Xboxes to the point of where, you know, where would you be able to get one? Where would you be able to get parts for them? You know what I mean? So it's 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 a worrying thought for the future currently now it's not much of a worry but for eventually for the future those things will become unavailable and so having been able to play these games on newer consoles is what's important you know currently 
uh, I have, um, uh, well, I hope they'd come for the day of actually recording this, but they haven't come yet. But I have on order um, Prototype 1 and 2. Two games, again, I missed out on. I love a sandbox game. I love um, games where you just kind of like, you hack and slash. Sandbox games, that's what Prototype 1 and 2 are. So again, two games I never got to experience. Uh, they did back, they did remaster or well say remaster they did kind of repackage them and try to sell them again on the newer consoles um but they want like 35 quid um for each or you could spend upwards of like 50 to 55 pounds for them both i was like no not just that i i've read in the reviews for the remaster of the first prototype that when they remastered it the game is basically broken that they've basically made it worse and that there are issues in it that didn't even show up in the original game. So, um, kind of worrying. So that kind of put me off wanting to get it. So I thought, you know what, it, it was only, it was £5.60 for both games on Amazon. I was like, you know what, screw it, I'll, I'll buy it. Um, again, those two games, I hope, you know, when Microsoft acquires Activision that, you know, the backwards compatibility rights for a lot of these older games will come back and that they'll say like put them on on um, game pass and then more people can experience them hopefully by then i've played them so it won't be the same but people who won't have an xbox who won't have the ability to go out and buy them for their xbox uh, 360 if they even have one anymore um you know, will be able to experience them on their newer consoles. And this is what I'm trying to irritate. God, I had that word and I lost it. This is what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to explain is that why it's so important to have preservation, to make sure that these games will stand the test of time. And this is what I'm trying to get at. Like older games, because of licenses and because of agreements, they don't last very long. And the idea that if a game comes out nowadays, in the licensing agreement, you know, you put something in the licenses of like, you know, the license will run out on said date. But if we want to, you know, make sure that we can have it backwards compatible, that that is a viable option. That is an option that we can take that, you know, the license E, you know, the persons who it belongs to will agree to say, yeah, you know, the license will run out in like the next 10 to 20 years. Um, but that doesn't mean that the game still can't be used and reused and sold um after that you know we, you just can't make any more games with the ip after said date you know so it's just the idea of making sure that games last forever that just because a licensing agreement has ended doesn't mean you can no longer use you know said game on the newer consoles which it does at the moment but in these new laws and in the new agreements and the new preservation that's being put into video games now that won't be an issue so that's it. So that's basically what I'm trying to get at. And what I'm trying to say is that we need to protect games and that we need to make sure that, you know, this art form lasts forever because it's all well and good having brand new games. It's all well and good having the next Call of Duty, having the next Halo, having the next Assassin's Creed. It's all well and good having these brand new games to experience. But I feel like we should look back on what made gaming what it is now, that we should look back on what started it all and that, we should not just have to look back, but also go look back and still be able to play, still be able to experience. I know with PC that it's it's this not really an issue on PC. The licensing is still an issue on PC. Like if you if you don't already own the game, there's a high potentiality that you can't buy it digitally. Um, but if you have a portable disc drive or if your monitor or 
well, oh yeah, monitor if you've got an all-in-one or if your computer has a disk drive built in. I have an I have an external one that I connect through a USB. But if you have the old disk, you can play them. Like I, I was looking in getting, um, what was it now? Harry Potter, the original Harry Potter game. Because I remember my dad having that on a floppy disk. So having the old original Harry Potter game and then just being able to play that on my PC would be nice. The issue there comes with um, finding an emulator, finding a, a piece of software that will run the game. Because the issue being is that old PC games won't run on modern PCs because old games used to use, like, depending how old on them, they used to be able to run on Vista and other Windows engines. Um, but obviously won't run on the modern operating engines because it's too new. And again, this is the this is the issue with PC is that you know if you can get it digitally, um, which is great, but most older games don't work with newer computers because they're just too new. Um, so it is it is somewhat of an issue with PC, um, but I think it is it's mostly important with consoles. With consoles, it's because they're more accessible to the majority of people. That's why it's more important to make sure that games are preserved on there um, more so. So. That's my topic. That's what I'm trying to talk about. So let's get to the end. Let's get to finishing this podcast off, shall we? So if you made it this far to the end, thank you. Thank you for making it this far. Um, so I just want to apologize if I seem a bit off or I seem a bit quiet or weird at times. Uh, my mum is currently at home. Um, so it is very awkward knowing that you are being listened to, that someone can hear you. My mum knows that I podcast, but it's it's I'm very used to doing it when there's nobody in the house. So having somebody here is very awkward. Um, so that's why there are moments where I've had to stop recording because she's called me or she's asked me to do something. I'm like, mum, I'm recording, you know. Uh, so it's it, very awkward. Um, so I, I apologize for having to stop, start, stop, start and seem a bit confused and seem a bit off. It's because, you know, I, I'm, I'm I'm on track. I know what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do. And then I get called to do something and then I'm having to go do that, come back and having to be like, OK, what was I talking about? So that's why I kept repeating myself and re saying things because I was just having to stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Real nightmare. So if, you, if you've lasted this long, um, thank you uh, for getting this far. Uh, it means obviously it means a lot to me. Uh, if you listen to last week's episode, well, say last week's, the last episode side quest that I actually, that came out late on the Monday. Thank you. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do a side quest this week, um, mainly because, uh, well, to be honest, I haven't actually. There's nothing really happened much in the game in space, or there's not much happened in like Star Wars Boba Fett is over. Um, so there's not much going on at the moment currently for me to talk about. So there might not be one this week. Maybe next week, see what happens. Um, but I, I hope people enjoyed this episode. Um, one of the things that, you know, one of the biggest key points that I keep telling myself and one of the key points I tell anybody who wants to do a podcast is that talk about what you love, talk about what you're passionate about, talk about something that you care about and then kind of stay away from the things that you're not interested in, you know, stay away from the crap. And I'm very much interested in game preservation and it's something that I've been doing quite a lot quite recently. Like I said, uh, Prototype 1 and 2 are on the way. They should have been here by ye- yesterday, but uh, they, uh, I think there was, they didn't come. Probably a delay, so however, today or tomorrow, fingers crossed. Um, but I st- I'm still currently playing through Transformers Fall of Cybertron. 
which I'm really loving and enjoying. And that, uh, so I've got to play that one. And then I've got to play through um, Max Payne 3, still playing that. That's backwards compatible, so I'm playing that on my Xbox, so I don't need to play it on the 360. And then I've got to play through Chronicles of Riddick, and then I've got to play through Prototype 1 and 2. Hopefully by then they'll be here. And then I've got to go play through sort of cro uh, Crisis 1, then play Crisis 2, and then Crisis 3. So it's quite a lot. I haven't got to do it. I know I keep saying I've got to do it, but I ain't got to do it. But I want to do it. You know, these are games that like I missed out on, so I want to experience them. And also the fact of being an achievement hunter, somebody who loves achievements. The idea of playing all these games and getting loads of achievements out of it is a really fantastic, you know, feeling. You know, so I'm really quite excited for you know uh, to, what to play next and to keep to keep going. Like I'm really enjoying my my time with Transformers, and that I it, more I play it, the more I'm like I really want a, a next gen Transformers game. Like I, I keep thinking of what a next gen Transformers game would look like. You know, what kind of features? You know, you know, because playing through Transformers Fall of Cybertron, I uh, played it on the 360. It's HD. You know, and I'm not saying like the game looks crap. Like, the game looks pretty good. Uh, you know, top of the range, top of the model. You know, back in the day when the 360 was out, um, maybe I'm just got maybe I've, I've just my eyes have gotten better at noticing you know higher frames and better graphics. But I've, there have been moments where I've played Transformers, and um, there have been times where the frame rate will drop and like a character's face. So like you'll have this really detailed body a very smooth face with um you know just two weird looking eyes and a mouth everything else is just smooth and then every now it, it'll just pop it pop in the graphics and textures will pop in and then you have a really detailed face it it's not immersion breaking of course not but it's very sort of funny it's silly and again these are the enjoyments of playing older games of like oh god i remember when games used to do that like modern games do it as well um, but it's just when it happens so much on older games and older software, when you can tell a game's really pushing the engine, really pushing the power of a place of the of the Xbox 360, when you notice of like, oh god, that's really that's quite you know quite cute, quite quite nice to see. Uh, back in the day, it was probably an issue for somebody, but for me, it's 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 a nice form of nostalgia. Like, oh yeah, I remember when games used to do that a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed this topic. Uh, even if you're a gamer or not, that you enjoyed my passion for gaming and what I was talking about. And um, yeah, spread the word. Let people know. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to rate. It really helps because the, the higher rating I am, the higher on the list I go and then more people can listen to the podcast. You know, and just, that's what I want at the end of that. I just want more people to listen. Listen to me ramble about crap. Well, I don't think it's crap, but more, most people probably would. But the point is, I want people to listen to the crap I have to say. You know, um, if you're on if you're on Twitter, remember to follow me on Twitter if you have, if you're not already. Uh, the Ginger Bookworm or at Book Ginger underscore Ginger, and you'll find me quite easily. It's the same picture that I've got here. Um, so I think that's everything. So yeah, Twitter, rate me on Spotify, or if you're listening to me on 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 the Anchor app, I think there's a rating system on there. If not don't worry about it um just spread the word let everybody know what i'm doing here you know uh it means a lot to me people who listen so that's all that's all i've got time for that's all i've got to say really i'm doing other things to say now so i'm going to end um don't forget to subscribe to like and all that jazz and spread the word and yeah so as always 
stay sexy, stay active. I love you all. Peace. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Nerdstalgy with me, your host, Luke, the Ginger Bookworm. (laughs) 